Happy Easter. I'm Austin and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. We start a brand new series today called Molten Moments where we look at seasons of events in life that involve loss, pain, or crisis. Today we spend some time in John chapter 20 and look at severe disappointment as it relates to Jesus' disciples during his death and burial. Good morning and happy Easter. This is something kind of fun about Easter, isn't there? New season, new colors, a new shore or a beach season is just around the corner. There's new scenery with leaves and flowers and growth. And of course, there's new clothes. Easter is something that breathes new life into us. That's just what it does. However, Easter can be kind of disappointing. It can be. I remember when I was young, my mother used to dress me in these awful-looking clothes for our Easter celebrations. Does anybody remember the leisure suits of the 1970s? Yeah, those things were crazy. And my mom would dress me in this lime green leisure suit, and it was awful, and it was disappointing, and it took me two years to grow out of that thing. It took me two years to grow out of it, but multiple years of therapy, if you know what I mean. Actually, I could rock the leisure suit back in the day, and as a matter of fact, I can still rock the leisure suit. Check this out. Yeah. <laughs> And I actually thought about wearing that today and teasing my hair out to epic proportions, but I didn't want to ruin your Easter celebration. I want to thank you so much for being here today. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever walked through a time in your life where you were supposed to be happy and fulfilled and satisfied, but you weren't? Like you're supposed to be really, really happy about something, but instead you were just a little disappointed or maybe even severely disappointed? Has that ever happened to you? It's Easter and we begin a new series today called Molten Moments. And over the next three weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at these events that kind of come into our lives unannounced meaning that they don't share that they're about to come. Like, get ready, you're going to have a bad day, and you need to prepare for this, and you need to get as ready as possible because the rain and the storms are about to come into your life. So get ready for that. See, molten moments don't do that. They kind of come in unannounced, which means that we're left unprepared, overwhelmed, and hopeless. And here's what these molten moments do. They bring out all of the questions. Why? Why me? Why now? Why here? And what did I do to deserve this? Because there must be something wrong in my life if this is happening. Why? Molten moments. And it's interesting because that very first Easter had all of the markings of a molten moment of severe disappointment. It really did. And here's how we're going to define disappointment. It's a hesitation to believe 
that Jesus can consistently deliver on his promises. And the key word there is the word hesitation. It's this doubt that begins to creep in, which leads to a hesitation to believe that Jesus can actually deliver on what he said that he could do. It's saying, or at least thinking in our mind, he wasn't there for me. He didn't help me. He didn't come through for me. And maybe he's done that for a whole lot of other people, but that hasn't happened for me. I want to invite you to go on a journey with me this morning of thinking about those close followers of Jesus on that very first Easter and how severely disappointed they must have been with Jesus. Just kind of this hesitation to believe that he would be able to deliver on what he said. And I'm sure in their minds they began to think that this was all a waste of time. Why did I bother ever following Jesus? He's gone. And the dream is over. And I gave my life to him. And I left work for him. And I sacrificed for him. I listened to him. I obeyed him. I was generous with him, but now it's just kind of all over and the disappointment begins to set in because this Jesus thing didn't work for them. Here's our big idea for today and what we're going to kind of wrap our minds around for a bit. And that is severe disappointment with Jesus doesn't have to be the final chapter. It doesn't. We make it that way a lot. Like I get disappointed with Jesus and I'm not happy with him The end. But severe disappointment with Jesus does not have to be the final chapter. There are many things that happen to Jesus and those who are following him before the stunning news of his resurrection. And I want to look at a few of these events and think about how severe disappointment began to dominate their thinking and just kind of melt them down. Shortly before Jesus was arrested, he shared a meal with his closest followers. They got together in a room, and as part of that meal, they probably did what we do with meals. They began to just share a lot of stories. And there were a lot of things that happened with Jesus. And so they probably had all kinds of stories. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that Jesus did so many wonderful things that if they were all written The world could not contain the books that share the things that Jesus did. It's just too much. It was so amazing and so wonderful. And so as part of this last meal, they probably began to share these stories, and there were a lot of stories. They probably laughed a lot, and they probably cried a bit. And then, of course, they ate But before all of that, Jesus did something remarkable that was confusing even to those who were his closest followers who had spent a few years following him and listening to him. He just did something that was amazing, and they didn't quite get it. As part of the story, Jesus understood in that moment that all power and all authority had been given to him by his Father. And Jesus knew that. He just had this sense. All power, all authority has been given to me by my heavenly Father. I'm the most powerful person in this room. 
Jesus knew that. Not only did Jesus know that he was the most powerful person in the room, but he also knew that he was the most powerful person in the world. Now listen to this, because it's absolutely incredible. And it's part of this narrative. It's part of the story. Jesus knew all authority, all power had been given to him, that he was the most powerful being. And yet here's what Jesus did in that moment that just kind of shook everybody. And they didn't understand it. They didn't get it because this was out of the box. And it had never been done before until Jesus showed up. Jesus in that room took a towel, and he gathered a bowl filled with a bit of water. And then Jesus got down on his hands and his knees, and he began to wash the feet of the disciples. He washed their feet. Feet are nasty, don't you think? I mean, you might think you have beautiful feet, and you may do a lot of things to them, but at the end of the day, feet are kind of nasty. And here we have Jesus getting down on his hands and his knees, and he begins to wash the feet of his followers. This is actually part of their culture because in their day, they walked around on dusty roads and they had sandals and so their feet got kind of nasty. And so when they came in for a meal, it was part of their tradition that you would have your feet washed. And you wanted that because they would eat in more of a reclining position, which meant that your feet were closer to people and were closer to food. And so you would want your feet washed They would say in the day, hey, it's time to eat. Go wash your feet. (laughs) Eat and feet, it kind of went together. But it wasn't something that you would do on your own. You wouldn't wash your own feet. It was left for the lowest position in the home. Often it was a servant or a slave. And they would begin the process of washing the dirt off the feet of others so that they could enjoy their meal. This was something that was never done by a leader, was never done by a rabbi, it was never done by someone in authority, it was always done by a servant or a slave, and so all of a sudden we have Jesus doing something that these followers had not seen, and it was out of their comfort zone. It's Jesus, the rabbi, the leader, the Messiah, getting down on his hands and his knees and washing the dirty feet of others. In the process of doing that, he actually looked out at his followers and said, now I want you to do the same. I want you to serve others. I want you to do the dirty work. You can probably feel the tension in that room. Hey, Jesus, we're not slaves and we're not servants. Like other people do this. And Jesus said, here's the deal. You serve this way. And there's no doubt that in that moment, There was disappointment by some of his followers who just couldn't wrap their mind around getting in the weeds with others and getting dirty, and they were probably severely disappointed with Jesus. 
wasn't long after that that Jesus is about to be arrested and a group comes to get him and one of his followers by the name of Peter grabs a sword and he's going to defend. He's going to stick up for Jesus. He's going to fight the battle. And for those of you in the front, you're probably nervous because I have no idea what I'm doing with this. And Peter didn't either because he basically said, Jesus, you get back. I'll take care of this. I'm going to defend. I'm going to work all of this out, and I will make sure that you are safe and that you are okay. Just step back, Jesus. Step back, disciples. I've got this. And Peter gets a little loopy, and he starts swinging that thing around, and Scripture tells us that he actually cut off the ear of a guy named Melchus who was there to arrest Jesus. Lops his ear right off his head. Well, Jesus steps forward and says, Peter, why don't you just relax a little bit here? And Scripture tells us something very amazing, that Jesus actually picked up that ear and he put it back on Melchus's head. He healed him. And you can just hear Jesus whispering into Melchus's ear, his good ear. That's Peter, and I've been working with him for about three years. He's a little rough. He gets a little crazy at times. I'm sorry about the whole ear thing. You're going to be just fine. Please forgive us. And then Jesus is arrested. And there's no doubt that the disciples, especially Peter, who had the sword, who was ready to shake things up a bit, began to say, come on, Jesus, Why don't you call down your angels and you can take care of all of your enemies. You have the power and the authority to do that. Come on, Jesus. Why don't you do something spectacular and just escape from this moment? Come on, Jesus. But instead, Jesus puts his arms out and he's bound and arrested and carried away. And at least a few of these followers were severely disappointed with Jesus. And then he goes on trial, and that trial eventually takes him down a path where he's put on a cross, and he dies. The Messiah, the King, the Promised One, he's dead. It's over. And this is the guy who was supposed to rescue the world. How disappointing. Some of his followers were so disappointed that they ran and they hid for fear of their lives. And Jesus only had a few friends there to watch him take his closing breaths. A true molten moment of disappointment. It's over. Jesus is dead. It's over. He's gone. That was Friday a day where something really bad happened, and then Saturday came, and nothing happened. Just more disappointment. Let me ask you this. You ever feel like your life is kind of like Saturday? Something bad has happened on Friday, and you're trying to figure that out, and you're reeling from that, and that was a bad day, and then Saturday comes, and you're just left with more disappointment and more questions. Where's God? Where's God? Where's God when I tested positive? Where's God when I lost my job? 
Where's God when my marriage didn't work out? Where's God when I was all alone? Where's God when I was very discouraged and down? Where's God? And disappointment with Jesus. Can I really trust him to deliver on his promises? Can I do that? And if I have trusted in him, will he come through for me again? And the answer to that is yes. 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 Because as discouraging as Friday was and as lonely as Saturday was, Sunday came and he rose, he lives, he defeated death. And so we can trust him and we can continually trust him to deliver on his promises. And this is what we find in John chapter 20 and verse 1. It says, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter. This is the guy who cut off the ear of Malchus, and she went to him and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. He's like gone again. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He was probably younger and faster. He stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. It's like they still didn't get it even though they had been traveling with Jesus and even though they had been walking around with him and listening to him talk about how I have to die and I will rise again. They still didn't get it until they walked in on that Sunday, the day after Saturday where nothing happened and the day after Friday where this devastating thing happened to all of them. It's Sunday and now they get it. They understand, and verse 10 says, then they went home. And after that, Jesus began to appear to different individuals. And in verse 19, we find him appearing to his disciples for the first time. It says, that Sunday evening, so Sunday morning has happened, and there's all this buzz that Jesus is gone, and we think he's alive, but we haven't seen him yet. That Sunday evening. The disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Here's what he said. Here's his first words. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, Hey, just in case you guys didn't hear it the first time, because you guys are a little slow on the uptake once in a while, I'm going to say this one more time. Peace be with you. As the Father hath sent me, so I am sending you. And here's what we have in Jesus. We have the one, the one who beat death, now saying to others, 
Peace be with you. And so, peace be with you. And peace be with you. And peace be with you. And what does that even mean? Well, it means peace with God. This is what we have a shot at. But Scripture actually tells us that we're at war with God. We're separated from Him because of our sin. But I want you to listen to this. Hear this. Know this. It is possible for each and every one of us to have peace with God. You can have that. You can enjoy that. It doesn't matter who you are or what you believe in. It doesn't matter if you're angry at God or severely disappointed with what has happened in your life. You can have peace with God, and that comes when we trust in the work of Jesus on the cross alone, and we don't add anything to that. That is the path to having peace with God, and that is possible for all of us. So it means peace with God, but it also means the peace of God. It is this inner calm based on an unwavering confidence that God is able to do what is best for me. This peace be with you is actually a military term that means God is over me. He's over us. And if we've trusted in him alone and we have this inner peace, he says, I am over you and nobody can take you away from me and I will never forget about you. I will never lose you no matter how you feel about me. I am over you and protecting you. See, it's recognizing that in the middle of my pain and in the middle of my severe disappointment with what God is doing or isn't doing in my life, that my disappointment with him doesn't have to be the final chapter. See, walk with God. Here's the challenge for all of us. Walk with God, even when it doesn't feel like he is there. And rest. Rest. Question. Complain. Argue. You can do all of that. God's good with that but then trust. See, here's the whole deal with Easter. Easter is about God reaching. God recognizing that we needed some help and that we wouldn't be able to help ourselves. The Easter story is about God reaching out to us through our greatest disappointments with life, with ourselves, with others, and with God himself and saying, you can trust and you can rest even with severe disappointment. That's the Easter story. That's the whole deal. So a couple of takeaways for us today. Here's the first one. Trust in God's peace for the first time. If you've never done that, the whole Easter celebration is about shouting, trust in God's peace for the first time. And I'm going to give you the chance to do that in just a moment. If you've never responded to him and you're sensing that it's time to have this peace of God and you want that, you can do that today. Secondly, if you have trusted, rest in the peace of God. If you've already trusted, then rest in that peace. And how do you do that? Well, it's trusting 
that he's actually working everything out in your life for his own good, and that he's there, he's watching over you. Will you let him? See, sometimes we don't want to let him do that. And we want to speed up the process, and we want God to just shout in our lives, and sometimes he just doesn't do that. He wants us to rest first. So will you do that? Will you trust him that way? Will you allow him to be enough for you? And here's why we can do that. It's because severe disappointment with Jesus doesn't have to be the final chapter. He lives. He lives. Well, thanks for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m. 